What an amazing day. Am I right? What an amazing day. I don't care who you are or how cynical you may be or how exhausted everyone is. Today was an amazing day. So there's literally, at least for me, a visceral, not only emotional, but visceral. Sorry, I'm going to turn my phone off. I am glowing. Look at me, guys. I'm glowing. Look at that. Glowing. Um, really just powerful. Uh, and, and just, I felt, I feel like a, a child being brought into a safe home. Does that make sense? I was outside in the cold and it was scary and windy and freezing and dark. And now a door has opened into a nice warm home with really soft carpeting, maybe a stain here and there, but nothing too disturbing and a really comfy sofa. Again, maybe a little dog hair on the sofa, but overall, an inviting sofa um, and cocoa because who doesn't like a warm cup of cocoa? I'm just a still look up. Oh, there's a Parna. I'm letting a Parna in. Very excited. Da, 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 da. Standing by. I'm very excited, Aparna. Welcome. Hi. What's going on? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. You know, such a such a hard question to answer lately. <laughs> <laughs> but exciting with the inauguration, right? That was festive. Oh, yeah. Today was big. I really didn't know what to expect because, you know, after two weeks ago, I think everyone I was a little bit on edge. Yeah, see. everybody was on edge. I, I don't, are you in New York? I'm in New York. I'm in Brooklyn, yeah. In Brooklyn, okay, because I moved back to L.A. and slew of friends bought handguns, which freaked me what? out. Yeah, I'm like, guys, and these people have, like, kids in their homes, and they're like, no, we don't know what's going to happen. I'm like, can we just take it down a notch? So, yeah, yeah, handgun. I mean, there's literally like lines in Burbank, to, you know, for handgun sales. Yeah, I don't know if it's just not my instinct. Maybe I just don't have a survival instinct at all. But my, no, I, I, I like, get a gun, like me. Heard of me to get a gun? Yeah, I can't imagine. All I can think about, God forbid, if there's someone coming in. I'm going to just hand the gun over to them. Do you know what I yeah. mean? I'm like, I'm not a, you take it. You probably know how to handle it better than I do. Right, 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 right. Like, can you just walk me through? How yeah, you <laughs> just give me a step by step. Yeah. Um, wh what have you been up to? Have you been doing a lot been, of Zoom? What's been going on with you? I've been doing some Zoom shows. I have been working on a book. Like I was working on a book before quarantine even started so I okay. felt a little bit fortunate because it was uh you know something that translated okay to being able to do it from home okay not having to go out a lot or depend on yes any sort of setup for it so I've been working a lot on that and yeah doing some zoom shows here and there I haven't done yeah I haven't performed live at all since everything shut down. Are you pretty um, conservative when it comes to like socializing during the pandemic? Or are you kind of out and about? No, I think I've been pretty conservative other than, you know, groceries. And yeah. I did a few park hangs over the summer. But right. other than that, yeah, I've been playing it pretty, pretty so conservative. What's the uh, what's the book about? Is it a memoir? Is it funny essays? Like what is the uh... it's, it's essay? It's like personal essays. And the overarching theme is imposter syndrome. Ooh, interesting. Mm -hmm. So imposter syndrome, talk to me about that a bit. Is this like related to like Ilaria Baldwin? Is that the kind of imposter syndrome oh, we're talking about or no? I never even thought of her. Yeah, I guess that's the more literal imposter syndrome. Okay. 
yeah, I, this is the more psychological imposter syndrome of like, I'm a fraud. Yes. Anything I accomplish is just due to luck or a fluke right. and right. just feeling like you're about to be found out at any moment. But, but again, then again, Valeria Baldwin could feel the exact same way. Maybe I, I feel like she doesn't, but who knows? Is yeah. this something, so is this something that's obviously this something that resonated with you and plagued you for a long time and you decided to cut, was this more of a cathartic thing or, you know, tell me. The, yeah. The I mean, I, I think the idea was to write about it, to kind of get to the heart of it and maybe even like fix mine. Cause I still deal with it, but it turns out it's kind of, uh, I don't know what, the, what seemed to me at first, like a thought experiment more has turned into, um, a slight breakdown because I feel like to write about imposter syndrome, to try to write a book about imposter syndrome really brings up your imposter syndrome. Well, can I show you the book I'm reading now? I'm reading a bunch of books, but this is yeah. what I just picked up. And it's amazing. Oh my God, the fourth edition. It's the fourth so. edition. I don't know what the third, second, and first, like where yeah, the yeah. Maybe he has his own self-esteem issues. Right. But I never thought of, you know, I always assumed that my codependency and lack of self-esteem was part of being an artist and we all suffer yeah. from it. And, but I'm like, well, why, why would I want to keep, so, you know what I mean? Can a book really yeah. help me? Like, what do you, what do you do? Cause writing post-it notes and affirmations is not my, no. you know, I tried and the post-its literally fell the next day. I'm like, I feel stupid <laughs> going to the bathroom and going, you are enough. And I'm like, no. Yeah. Like, so this is interesting. It, what it, is that? What is the sort of approach? Well, the approach is, is identifying your inner critic. Okay. And understanding what the advantages are to having an inner critic. Like, why do we have that oh. inner critic? What kind of positive reinforcement? Cause some, it actually serves us in, to some extent, right? Right, like it is trying to be helpful on some Well, way. it's also the way it's reinforced. It's really interesting. I'm not gonna be as, um, as uh, eloquent as the book is, and I do recommend it, but um, in terms of like, I, I'll give you an example. I hope I'm not gonna ramble on this one, but no, no. you have an interaction with someone and you came yeah. out of it feeling stupid. All right, yeah. like I said something dumb or I should have, and you start replaying it in your head over and over and over again and really getting yeah. down on yourself. Has that happened? I'm sure, you know, I think we've all been. You know, very rarely, know, but. Right, right, okay. so, <laughs> so that's. Constantly. <laughs> so, so what happens is when we replay it, once in a blue moon, while we're replaying it, we'll mm -hmm. come out of that replay feeling better about ourselves and say oh. to ourselves, you know what? It wasn't so bad. Or some sort of information will come in that will make us feel better. That, oh. that functions as like a slot machine where we're gonna keep trying, keep worrying and replaying in hopes that once in that blue moon, we're gonna have that positive response. But 99% of the time, we just end up feeling shittier about ourselves. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, because is the positive, well, let's say you, you know, say something awkward to someone, would the positive response be like, oh, I'm sure it was no big deal or like- Yeah, something or like, yeah. Okay. Something will happen after this like quagmire, you know, like cesspool yeah. of worry. So yeah. this is one example. And obviously the other one are the obvious ones, like, you know, to avoid rejection, you reject yourself already. You know what right. I mean? Or to avoid mm -hmm. being like, I know that from my like intimate relationships. Oh, I don't want to be yes. hurt. Let me, let me get out. Right. Like, so that's, you know, I think that's the, the common one. But but then once you do that, you disarm the critic. Like there's just different techniques to disarming the critic. So what, do you, what would you say your relationship is to your inner critic? Because I feel like mine has 
changed over the years. I think I'm a little bit more maybe grounded with it than I used to be. I think I used to really listen to it very, like really yeah. just take it to heart. And I don't know, at least after doing stand-up for a number of years, you kind of have to let go of stuff. Otherwise you'll really... Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. I think with me, it's unpredictable. I'm not, I'm not consistent. Like it's unpredictable. I feel like at times I have that laissez-faire, even with when I do combat, you know what I mean? Like whatever Mm -hmm, happens, totally come off and I'll have a good attitude about it. And other times I will self-sabotage and get in my head or, you know, even with, it's even as simple as the social media with the compare despair, right? There's times when everybody's so much more successful and so much funnier and so much more confident. Other Mm -hmm. times I'm like, eh, you know, so I can never tell. Right. I, so I, for me, it's, I feel as I've gotten older and I'm old, I've gotten more grounded about some things <laughs> and sometimes the insecure, you know, sometimes I'll feel like a five-year-old. So I think it really, but in terms of my work, like my writing, I think I'm much more confident than I am mm. in my, in certain relationships. You know what I mean? Like the work yeah. I'm able to, to pull my ego out of it and make it, I love criticism. I love when people critique mm. my work. I oh, love wow. Feedback. Yeah. I love People saying, well, not like, oh, you're, you know, this was shitty. That's not fine. <laughs> right, right, but right. feedback, like, I love feedback. Like, this didn't work for me. I didn't resonate. I thought this was, you know, I like that because then I'd make it about the work. But if it's about oh, me as a person good. and a human, I'm an open wound. That's good because I feel like I'll mix the two where I'll take feedback and I'll make it personal when it's not personal. Yeah, that's, that's, that's tricky. But maybe yeah. that's okay. Well, hey. I know. I need I need all four editions of it. Exactly. Well, maybe we could do it together as a group. So in terms of this imposter syndrome, so are these essays vulnerable or do you kind of is there like a mask of humor underlying most of it? I'm trying to I'm trying to put in humor, but some of them are the first draft is a little uh dark, I would say. And then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to do some punch up here. <laughs> Do you have, um, do, do, is your, are you working with an editor? Like, do you already have a, like a publishing? Okay, so that's- Yeah, so that's, that's helpful. And did you um, sell it, did they approach you or did you sell it as an idea or did you have to write a, like a, a proposal? I sold it as an idea. I, I wrote a proposal, but it was pretty bare bones because some of it I figured it out kind of when, once I started writing it. But I, yeah, so I mainly sold it as an idea with like, these are the types of essays I'll write and yeah. That's a man who's publishing it. It's publishing through Penguin Random House through, Amazing. yeah, through the, uh, their Viking imprint. Viking, I love it. And what's it, what is there, do you have a title or not yet? Not yet. It's not gonna we're, be called the imposter syndrome by a born and right? There's gonna be some. No, I mean, maybe. 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 Maybe, we never know. What, um, now you were born in India? Yes, no? No, no, I was the only person in my family born here. Born, okay, and so everyone else in my family, yes, born. In okay, India. when did they move here? Like in the seventies? Mm-hmm, like okay. late seventies. Late seventies. Yes. Okay, and were they a tradition? Like, what part of India? Uh, my parents are both from Hyderabad, which is in the south. It's kind of in the middle of the south. Okay, is that like mm-hmm. near Kerala, or is that further? Kerala is even further south, so it's not as far south. Oh, okay. As okay. Yeah. And did you grow up uh, visiting a lot or like to what extent did it, like Indian culture and your parent like, you know, tradition, like how much did that factor or were they all about assimilation when they came here? Yeah, no, we used to go back every other summer because my dad is one of five siblings oh, wow. and he, two of them live here and then two of them still live in India. And then my mom is one of three and both her sisters still live in India. So we still have a lot of family there. 
and okay. we would visit every other summer growing up um, for anywhere from like two weeks to I think one summer we went for two months. Okay. And do, does yeah. it, does the culture resonate with you? Do you connect to it or does it seem kind of removed? Like, you know, like what's your relationship to it? I think I connected to it more as a kid just because we went more regularly. And then as my sister and I got older, we just, you know, started getting busy with commitments. And then when we were in college, it was just harder to coordinate everyone's schedule. So I feel like I've gotten maybe further away from it, especially in pursuing stand-up. I've just kind of like not kept as, as I don't know, strong roots in a way, right. which sometimes I regret, but I do think my sister has kept a bit of stronger ties. Like she, her partner is also from India and he like grew up there. So okay. they go back like more regularly. Like I haven't been back since 2014. Oh, wow. So why were your parents? I mean, I know there's that, that, that cliche of like the pressure, you know, to let's get a degree in engineering or, you know, is that every parent freaks out when their kid's going to be a stand up, regardless, I think of, of where you're from. But did you feel right. any sort of pressure, you know, like what was in terms of like this traditional desire for your career path? I think I felt a uh, similar pressure to a lot of children of immigrants, which is that just that your parents want you to succeed and kind of be able to support yourself and my parents are both doctors so i think there was like a hope slash expectation that we would follow in their path but neither of us did so um my sister was kind of nice in that she broke a lot of barriers for me so then when i when it was my turn they were just like okay just do whatever you what want. does she do she works in she kind of does a mishmash of things but she's like a therapist and Oh, okay. um, she also does some just like community organizing. Work. It's like a slow burn. It's not like she <laughs> decided to become a burlesque dancer. And then you, as right, a right, right. parents are like, thank God. She's like a yeah. therapist. So it's slowly moving. Yes. Um, that's I wanted to become a therapist. I still, I studied, really? I, I, yeah, I studied psychology and, and, and neuroscience in undergrad, but then I, I love, yeah. Human psychology fascinates me. And I like helping and listening to people and offering advice. You know, I don't know if I could do it 10 hours a day, but I think most yeah. also uh, being observant. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Does, does that resonate with you? Uh, does that definitely? I was a, I was also a psych major oh, right for on. undergrad. Mm -hmm. okay. So I, I definitely relate to that because people are always like, "Oh, psych, that's weird." I'm like, not really. It's like a lot of human behavior and observation, which so many comedians are yes. fascinated with. Yes. And in terms of, you obviously came up in the New York scene, right? Like it's not like you started doing comedy in, in wherever. I well, I started actually in D.C. because that's where I grew up um, or like in the suburbs. So I started in the D.C. scene and was there for, I think, just under five years before I moved. Oh, to, wow. Okay, so you were yeah, there. Yeah, and I moved to L.A. actually first before New York. Yeah. Okay, and how long were you in L.A.? Uh, just under two years. I okay, did it kind of backwards. Well, I got a writing job in New York. So then I went to New York and then, you know, everyone's like, oh, the stand-up scene is great. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll stay here for a while. Amazing. Yeah, the stand-up scene yeah. here is tricky. I'm not, I, I feel like after having paid my dues in New York, coming here, I'm like, I don't have the bandwidth to start. I know. Let me go to the store and try and make friends. Yeah. Book or the, like, I just don't have it in me. I know. I think especially as I've gotten older, I'm just like, I don't want to hang out anymore. <laughs> well, did you ever connect? Because it's it is so clicky, and I always was a little challenged by that. I have my friends, but yeah. I was never part of the clique or the group ever. Like I've always liked that outsider. So, 
Did you feel that or did you have that group? Because I look at them and I'm like, wow, they're so tight knit and they're such good friends and they're all, you know, inviting each other to tour with them and do their sitcoms, you know? What was your relationship to all that? I also think I've always felt a little removed because it's kind of funny because it seems like a lot of people were outsiders, you know, growing up and then they come to comedy and they kind of find their tribe. Right. But I feel like even once I found comedy, I still felt like an outsider in some ways. So I was like, I don't know what that says about me, but I think I've just always been a little bit of like a loner, like a floater And that. I, like you said, I have my friends definitely in the comedy scene, but I don't feel like I'm part of a group. Right. Right. Like yeah. I walk in and it was like, you reached. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah, nice to see you. Okay. Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's totally. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. So this is, um, what was I going to ask you? Are you in a relationship? I am. I have been with my current boyfriend for four, I guess we're coming up on four and a half years. Well, that's impressive. Mm -hmm. Four four minutes for me. I feel like, whoa, this is getting (laughs) four years is delightful. Um, and what does he do? He works in book publishing. Oh, interesting. Funnily but not at Penguin Random House Viking. He does work at Penguin Random House. <laughs> he doesn't work at, well, I guess he, he covers some of Viking stuff, but he like covers multiple imprints. So, Well, I hope he was one of the people to help you get in there. I mean, I don't think it hurt. Yeah, good. That's good. Look, I'm all for connections. I remember my friend... Her, um, her dad is a huge, uh, I'm not going to say, I'm just going to change. I don't want for, for her protection, huge TV director. Okay. And she was always so resistant to having her dad help her, which I understand. Oh, but at yeah. some point she hit 40, you know, and she's like, mm-hmm. okay, fuck it. And he, he made <laughs> the like, introduction. Please help like, me. It's like, it's hard enough as it is. So it's like, you know. It is so hard. Like, I always thought, like, even when children of celebrities are like, well, I want to prove myself on my own. I do wonder, like, yeah, but everyone knows who your dad is. So I think <laughs> that's going to help you. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's, so, we, you know, I went to Brown and there were a lot of like celebi kids that ended up following yeah. their parents' footsteps. I'm like, you really think you got that guest spot when people know that? Like, yeah. <laughs> I had no connections. I, I realized growing up, my dad was in banking. But yeah. I was in the army in Israel and there's a phrase in Israel called protectia, which just means mm-hmm. protection, right? But it means connections, right? So a lot yeah. about getting a good job in the army is about who you know, because otherwise right. you get designated to a really crappy job. So growing up, my dad was always, he knew everybody, you know, this very regal presence and well-connected. Yeah. Lo and behold, I get a really shitty job in the army and I call my dad and he couldn't, there was nothing he could just, he knew nobody. When it counted, he knew nobody. And I literally got stuck like moving satellite dishes. I mean, it was mind-numbing work. no. Yeah. So I, I always envy those. There's always a little bit of like, oh, oh, really? Oh, they, they know them? Okay, great. So use it. Yeah. I felt that way with my parents too, where it's like, they're not, they don't even care about entertainment at all. So they were just like, no, we can't, we don't know anyone. We know no one. We know no one. Yeah. Oh my God. When you first moved out to LA, did you know anybody? Mm, I moved with a, with a guy I was dating at the time. who's also a comedian. So we at least knew each other. Anyone I would know. Hampton Yunch. Sounds familiar, but I don't know. Maybe I'm not. Yeah, he's still out there. Okay. Right so on. maybe you'll cross paths. Maybe as I go to the, the comedy store and I'm like, hey guys, <laughs> can I 
Can I hang out? Can I just sit here and hang out with you guys, please? please? Uh, <laughs> but the book, um, the book publishing world is, is, it's a tough time, I feel like. I mean, it seems like, yeah, especially with, I mean, at least people are still buying books, but but you're right. Like all the book tours got canceled. Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, yeah, doing a virtual a book of, tour, I guess, is is where it's, you're probably, when is your book slated to come out? I think now it's probably at the earliest, it might be end of 2022. Really? Oh, yeah. Because well, it takes years? a while. Mm -hmm. Because once your draft is in, it's like a year from then and my draft isn't in. I don't remember. I mean, I wrote a few books and I don't remember mm -hmm. how long it took. I guess it took a while. Well, I guess, you know what, though? I sold the book written. Oh, yeah. So like I, think I wrote that, the book. Probably makes a big difference. Yeah. I wrote the manuscript and then they bought it and then I edited it with the editor. But so right. that it was more of a streamlined. Um, but I drove them crazy because back in the day they would send, this was like 10 years ago, they would send yeah. a hard copy of the galley and I'd have yeah. to work it with special, you know, pencil, special editing notes. Right, right. Send it back. Like it was a very ancient, it feels like an ancient process. Oh, right. Cause you have to send it back manually. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I had to yeah, make yeah. a change. Look, maybe I could have done it, but I'm a Luddite. So I sat there with yeah. the thing with pencils making R and spell, you know, and little drawings. Right, right, right. <laughs> It felt very cave painting, um, but there's something liberating about, I say go as vulnerable as you can go. Yeah, and that's, then that's, scale it back. No, I just think there's something <laughs> liberating about, because when you're writing a book in the privacy of your own laptop, you don't realize it's gonna be reaching the masses. Right. Later. So there's space there, you know what I mean? As opposed to being super vulnerable on stage, I think it's a different, yes. it's a different beast. It's a little scary. This is like, you know, um, my memoirs, I wrote two memoirs and they were very vulnerable to the point I'm like, oh God, like. Are oh, really? Like after the fact you were a well, little I, bit you like. Well, you know, I, it was like sex, it was me losing my virginity and all my issues. Oh, wow. A lot of schmutz going on in there. Um, but I don't regret it because I think that's when people really connect, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, I think so. I think the fear is always that people won't, but then they do. I think they do. Yeah. What is your, um, obviously I've seen you perform, but like, where do you, what do you, what would you say is your main theme of your comedy? And then like, you know, where do you want to go from here with it? Like, you know what I mean? Are you, I mean, I do feel like there's always been an existential thread through everything I do, okay. just like kind of an underlying, what are we all doing here kind of vibe. But I also tend to focus on the mundane and like the day to day of it rather than like the bigger question okay. directly. It's right. kind of approaching it from a, a smaller lens like a micro okay yeah and is there something that you're like i want to push myself to you know in terms of taking your comedy somewhere you're like no this is i'm happy in my zone and this is what i like to you know what i mean i think i'm interested in i guess incorporating a little bit more storytelling and and just kind of make maybe making more of an arc in like if i build an hour of material kind of having just more of a theme to it and more cohesiveness rather than just like, this is the 60 minutes of material I happen to have. Right. <laughs> well, any interest in like doing a one woman show a la, you know, the one woman shows, or I know that Hannah Gadsby was like, oh, is it stand up? Is it a one woman show? What is it? Right, right, right. I think I'm interested- that more of the storytelling and like per personal autobiographical stuff or no? I think so, but I think just kind of figuring out a way to do it that that speaks to me because I think just like the idea of a one woman show is so loaded that it like I would have to kind of 
come at it from a way, a surprising way to just make it more compelling yeah. to myself. Did you study acting or did you just kind of fall into it? Or what was, what was that journey like? Mm, I mean, I was in two middle school musicals, oh. but, <laughs> but no, I didn't really go the theater route. I think I took some acting classes in college and then took a few when I was in LA, but I didn't go to like an acting school or like a conservatory. Okay or anything and is that something that you want to pursue deeper or you're like when they bring when you get roles and you audition for you know like have you auditioned have you done drama or are you just mostly comedy i mostly audition for comedy i do a little drama i mean i think i'm interested in it but i also realize that most of my range is just still a version of myself like i don't i don't see myself as like really Daniel Day Lewis, like a character actor, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you're like the, you're like the, you know, yeah. the Brad Pitts and the uh, the. Okay, I get it. I actually um, heard something really um, wild that when Daniel Day Lewis was, I guess, doing the role of Lincoln. I didn't see that movie, but yeah. he apparently was even his texts he wrote as Lincoln the whole time to like his to Sally Field. He would sign them like A in Abraham. I believe anything I read about Daniel Day. <laughs> know. You know what I mean? I feel like when he did my left foot, he probably didn't like lead the wheels. You know what I mean? I feel like he's yeah, yeah. I, you know, part of me, when I hear that stuff, part of me is like, good for them. Part of me rolls. I can't help a little bit of the eye roll. You know I what know. I mean? When you're like not talking to the cat, like if, you know, if you have a an adversary in the movie and it helps your character to really live that out, you know what I mean? Right. But mm -hmm. I also feel like part of training is like, okay, you know, I don't know. Like yeah. a mass murder, do you have to really go practice? But Right, right, right. But he's a great and it's, Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what my boyfriend made a good point, which was that like Abraham Lincoln didn't text. Exactly. People. That's my first thing when you said. I was like, he would have been like an Amish. You know what I mean? He'd have to like swear <laughs> yeah. off toilet paper. and, and Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. He didn't text. Yeah. <laughs> Carrier pigeon. But it's it is you know you see these amazing actors like okay how immersive are they and I guess it, it yeah off I don't know if I'd be willing to Christian bail it and lose a hundred pounds for a role I I love my my work and I I put a lot of effort but those guys that really you know what I mean it yeah it, I hate to say it but even like six months of stunt training <laughs> me tomorrow be you know the the shorter the shorter chubbier wonder woman like be god right. like quirky right. sister but it's going to involve six months of like green screen stunt training i'd be like it also just seems to me like a kind of personality type maybe i'm yeah. like i just don't have like those people who just take everything too far yeah. <laughs> well i guess it's necessary if you want to play the stunt you know what i mean right 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 right, right. the martial yeah. arts and quentin no, it's so true going to study true. Yeah. But it's not that I'm lazy. I'm very, I'm extremely hardworking, but I don't think that that yeah. feels now, wait, tomorrow if my agent calls and says, yeah, you're being offered the next Marvel, <laughs> go do some stunts. I'd be like, okay. But, but it's still, it's not something that, you know, I feel like I'm more of the character actor. Like put me on a stage. I'm fine. Like, let me right, just, right, it right, doesn't right, involve right. too much physical flipping yeah. over, I get nauseous very easily. So, right. Know. Like, let me close a window in an interesting way. Yeah, exactly. Let me, yeah. <laughs> let me find it. What, um, what was the most interesting role you've had to date? Mm, that's a good question. I recently played an astronaut on this Netflix show, Space Force. I think that was definitely 
the wildest thing I've done because we had Steve to Carell? do Steve Carell show. Mm -hmm. okay, okay. We had to do, cause the, my character is just in a few episodes, but we go to the moon. So we had to do like wire training to simulate. That's, that sounds a little fun. Wire training. So sounds. that was cool. Yeah. Cause usually comedy roles, you're not doing anything too wild. No. Yeah. Um, so that was a good experience. Is he nice? He is. Yeah. He's very like, humane i would say in the, okay. like he's just approachable and okay. low-key like he's not like creating a big scene around him he's right. like pretty mellow yeah yeah i don't know i feel like besides chevy chase who has a terrible reputation of being mm -hmm. a douchebag i feel like most of these doughy comedic men in their <laughs> you know what i mean in their 50s like the wilfers they all seem like they're very just nice yeah nice suburban yeah. dads you know what i mean they seem they don't they don't ring the douche bell i don't know yeah, which is also like good because it's like, what do you have to be upset about? Exactly. Well, anybody's successful. What do you have to be upset about? I mean, yeah. honestly, look, I've met Tom Cruise a few times. He could not have been nicer. I heard, I've heard that about he's him. He's just so, so lovely nice. and grounded. So nice. I mean, everyone's like, well, I just I told you, I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's not like he was thrusting a L. Ron Hubbard pamphlet pamphlet in my face. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Like super engaged, super, you know, super hardworking. Yeah. Very, you know, genuine. So. Well, genuine, I don't know. I mean, who am I to judge if it's genuine? Yeah. Ross is genuine. But when I was younger, I had a horrible experience with Katherine Hepburn. She was, really? oh my God, complete bitch. I mean, it was really rough. They were, shoot, I was growing up in the Bronx. They were yeah. shooting a movie with her and Nick Nolte. And I was a kid. Yeah. I was a young, like young. I was like seven or eight. I don't know how old I was. And I was excited to go there. I had no idea who Katherine or Nick Nolte were at the time. Yeah. But I went in next door. It was my neighbors that had a really big house. And I would just eat the food because I was excited by the crafty. Like I'd never seen <laughs> a spread. Like, it was for a kid. It was like, yeah, what is I'm st I still am blown away by Yeah, crafty. I still put bring up Ziploc and, you know, and stuff <laughs> yeah. some like baked goods. And at one point I just kept hovering and then Nick Nolte took a liking to me and he would pick me up and he's a tall, tall yes. man. And I was in, suddenly I was in love with Nick Nolte. Like within a minute he picked <laughs> me up. I'm like, this is, I'm in love. And I would hang out on set and I just kind of sit there. And at one point I heard a voice going, get out of my way, child. And I turned around and she was just staring at me and I cried and I went home and I didn't go back to set. That's it. Oh, that's so sad. That's you were sad. like scarred by her. I, I have distinct memories of adults I didn't know being mean to me as a kid. It really sticks with you. It does. It does stick with you. Have you ever had any like crappy onset experience? Mm. Were you left going, Jesus, I don't want to do this anymore? I think the, I mean, for me, it's always, I've been lucky in that I haven't worked with anyone terrible, but I have, like, I think the waiting sometimes really can get to you. Like where they're like, you know, they bring you in at 8 a.m. and then right. it's like, like oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like sometimes, I, I think I just don't know how to use my time well when I'm like in my <laughs> so little- You bring a book, you're like, I'm not gonna read yeah. a book in my little yeah. trailer, like or right, whatever room. Right. Because then um, when they need you, it's like right away, like get it together. Get have ready. you been cast a lot as like the Indian girl and have to do an Indian accent and like roles that annoy you, like from a stereotype perspective or that hasn't ha you've been lucky that hasn't happened to you? I've been relatively lucky in that sense in that I don't think my comedy ever kind of painted me that way. So usually it'll be more like quiet weirdo types. <laughs> Just a generic, quiet weirdo. Type. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, no, it's it's been nice. I mean, I think I have been fortunate too in that um, you know people like Mindy Kaling and Aziz have have also 
very much paved the way in terms of doing roles that don't really rely on their ethnicity. Did anything in never, have I ever resonate with you or was that just a completely foreign experience? Cause you said that you didn't really grow up in that kind of like, you know, pressure. Did you watch it? I don't know if I don't want to assume that you saw it, but. I did, I did. But um, yeah, I think it, some of it did, but it was kind of funny because it was like, I think Mindy, loosely based on Mindy Kaling's childhood, but then I think set in today. So some of it like translated in that, what was from her childhood, but then obviously today growing up is a little bit different because yeah. everyone has cell phones and stuff and I didn't have that. Right, no, true yeah. enough. Are you in touch with them? Like, is there like a community? Are you in touch with Aziz and Mindy? Like, you know. I, well, I did a guest part on Master of None. So like Aziz and I have crossed paths, but I don't, yeah, I haven't met Mindy. Okay. We just we like know of each other and I've had like friends work for her but right. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what um are you at a point in your career where you usually get offers or you you have to audition for the stuff where people know you they're like we just want to barn on for this or you know. It's kind of a mix. Like sometimes people will think of me and offer me stuff and obviously that's great and very fortunate yeah. but um but yeah, no I still audition. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've been doing all these self tapes. It's kind of a surreal I, I like the self tape because I record myself doing the other part. Usually you're not. Oh, supposed to that's it, But I'm not going to bug a friend. I know. Know. I'm a single parent. I'm not going to bug a friend every time I want to. Right. You know what I mean? Please read this. Like people are going to shoot me. So someone told me they had an audition recently on Zoom and they asked the actors to provide their own reader, like have someone else log into Zoom and be their reader. Okay, Which I thought was so like a casting director job. Like, yeah, I was like, what is the casting director doing? What is yeah, exactly. what, how they was that? Not the Zoom call. That's it. They're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. we're just going to set up the Zoom call for you, and then we're out. That's right. That's kind of ridiculous. Sorry. Yeah. Ridiculous. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah. No, I enjoy it because then I can keep. I can do it forty-six times and just send the best one. I I'm know. Not I know. Because whenever like, I do, I mean, some people are great in the room, but I always feel like I choke. I, yeah, I think I get I get nervous. I've had a few really big roles, you know what I mean? That I really feel mm -hmm. like I've, I've blown. Um, and other times I don't give, it really is if you don't give a shit. It really is true. It really is. I mean, the other day I went up, I went up to Northern California last week just to get out of the city because LA is like, you know, it's a COVID, you know, the center. Yes, of the I've heard. And so I had three auditions and I had like an hour to do them because I was with my son. You know what I mean? There's only so much I can... And I did them on, I recorded myself on Zoom and I booked like one of them and then I got right. two other callbacks. Yeah, but I couldn't do it because it's it's in Hawaii and I'm doing oh. another show next week and I have to quarantine for three, like it's not gonna work out time. I booked it and I'm like three weeks in Hawaii, oh, God. No. That's so frustrating. It was frustrating, but you know, what are you, what are you gonna do? Like, what are you gonna do? Um, I mm. waxed my own eyebrows today. Do I, do I do them evenly? I feel like I trimmed this one too They much. look so even. Do they though? Okay, because see- They do to me, but I mean, I'm not a makeup artist, so. Yeah, well this one, again, I chopped this one a little, a little, I got a little, I bought a professional waxing kit. It's upstairs, I used it today for the first time. It's very exciting. Otherwise I would have been like a Frida Kahlo situation. So I feel Does it hurt? Does it hurt? No, I wax my own vajayjay. So I've been- You do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been waxing myself since, you know, since I was a tot. It hurts- it hurts, does it hurt less than it used to? 
No, it still hurts like a mofo, oh, especially okay. if I let it go for not the, the eyebrows, nothing on the eyebrow hurts, but the vajayjay, I'm really in there right by the labia, you know, ripping. So oh, yeah. as soon as I put the wax on too hot, it's really like a bad, like torture porn. Ooh, so it's not, yeah. but um, it does hurt less when I do it than when I go somewhere. Oh, wow. Yeah, Because I That's think I'm, I'm prepared and I know the force. I think part of the fear oh. of the pain is when you don't know, you can't What's anticipate. And here you can anticipate a little bit, but I do miss going somewhere to get groomed. I, mean, I know, but that's, have you always done it yourself or was this a No, I mean, I do it sometimes just because it's, you know, if I'm, yeah, I don't always have someone like when I go to New York, I don't have someone here. I had this woman, Luba, who I yeah. went to for years and she was like my therapist slash, you know, yes. waxing person. Iris. Now yeah, I mean. That was clean. <laughs> like she would always say that. She was delightful. Um, but do you. I, I feel mean, like you once, the, once they, once they see all that stuff. What can't you tell them? You really, yeah, it's, we're BFFs. But I, in New York, I used to get threaded. I love the threading. Oh yeah, I, I, I haven't gone in a while, obviously, yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, I like the threading too. Threading, but that's painful. Threading is much more painful it than- is? Than oh, it is? Oh, it is? I've only done threading on for eyebrows, so. Oh yeah, no, I don't do any other threading. No, just eyebrow. I can't imagine threading anywhere else. That seems like, <laughs> that does not seem fun. Well, I've done upper lip too before. Yeah, threading? Yeah. I know. It's not great. No, because it's like, eat, eat, eat. yeah, everyone, you feel, it's coming up. Uh, <laughs> one by one. How, um, this might be, a, I don't know if this is a, you know, these, sometimes I ask questions and I say, these poor people, I ask them questions. I'm going to ask like, so are you happy with your agent? And then I'm like, why would I ask them that? Because what if their age, like, what kind of question is that? So I won't ask that. Um, but we've all been through our share of managers and agents over the years. No, yeah. or have you been with the same people forever? Because at the end of the day, it's like sometimes you're like, oh, we got to Oh, I guess, I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of rare in that I've been with the same manager and not the like exact same agents. Like they've some of them have turned over, but same agency. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I've had the same manager yeah. for a long time, but the agencies have come and gone. So, yeah. Um, I think, I, I mean, I feel like it's normal to change them. I, I feel like most of my friends have multiple just because I think your needs change and yeah I think I'm too part of me is very codependent and loyal yeah. to a fault and I treat everybody like family and I'm unable to say oh this is not working out like some people just ch change them and go it's about the business and boom, yeah and this and that and you're done and I'm never like I'm like no I know eh, you know and that's served me and not served me you know I, I feel yeah like I was with manager years ago and I was like no I need to stay and then I start talking myself out of it and I stay I'm like but nothing is working I know and I also worry about people's feelings yeah exactly well that's the codependency right you don't want to hurt them and yeah but how yeah. about um, you know, so, I mean, I always forget just the basic thing of like, they work for you. I like, can't even internalize that. Sometimes. No, you're right. Like, I feel I like I don't want to bother them. Well, it's also, we're, we're just lucky to have, you yeah. know, it's that, yeah. Lack yeah. Of, you know, it's that lack of self where Esteem. that sense of you deserve it. Right. I yeah. think I'll put that on a post-it note. You deserve it. I don't know what, you but I don't know. Maybe I need to do just something good. I don't want to say you deserve it. And then it's like, it's a weird torture, like something negative. Yeah, I don't know if it's like a scarcity mindset or just like yeah. part of part of like wanting to be agreeable as a as a woman. I yeah, I think that's a lot of it. I mean, I I find that yeah. that really permeates. I mean, I always knew that, but it really permeated in the last few years when I was really made aware on even people that are very successful. It is that it's that subconscious, you know, or we're not seen as good enough, or you know, or why can't a dude make a movie that's mediocre? 
and get yes. it made. But God forbid a woman will make a mediocre film. No, like you have to prove yourself or, you know, it's not going to get greenlit unless it's spectacularly, you know, whatever. It's so interesting how that still, that still exists. You know who I bet wasn't afraid to call her agency? Catherine Hepburn. Oh my God. Get out of my way. <laughs> I, I don't want to image because she was already like a little shaky at that point, but traumatized, traumatized. There, there's one other experience that traumatized me with Sam Shepard and that was it. But those were my oh. two. Yeah, yeah. Met him twice. What happened with not, Sam not nicer. What's that? What happened? Oh, you're telling me. No, no, yeah. No, no. I say like <laughs> first time I met him, I was working at NoHo Star. Remember NoHo Star? Mm-hmm. That restaurant mm-hmm. Lafayette, which has since closed, which made me sad. I think I've told the story in the podcast, but I met him and I think he was drinking, but I don't remember. It was at the bar. It was like midday and he was super nice. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm talking to Sam Shepard. I was the hostess and nobody was in the restaurant. I'm like, oh, and we're talking and we're chatting and I couldn't, you know, I can't believe what's happening. Like I'm talking, yeah. to, I'm talking to Sam. Second time was like probably, I don't know, six months later, my one woman show was up at the Culture Project and he was having dinner with Jessica Lang. And yeah. I had already printed postcards. I'm like, I'm going to invite them, right? And I just walked yes. over and I said, you know, and I was working that evening and I said, I'd love to invite you. And he goes, we're eating. Oh no. And I just, I turned like my heart, you know what I mean? You start sweating. You feel like such a, it's such a horrible feeling. Oh, it's and such a bad. Jessica felt so bad. I think they divorced at some point, didn't they? But um, she said, mm-hmm. she took the postcard. She goes, thank you, dear. Like, good luck. Congratulations. It's not like I sat down and asked for a selfie. You know what I mean? Right, I was, right, 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 right. Like I, you know. Yeah. I was, he was a dick. Sam was a dick. But whatever, he was a great playwright, great actor. Can't complain about Ugh. that. But, you know, I know, but that just that feeling is such a bad feeling. Where do you stand on uh, still listening and enjoying and admiring people's work if they're douchebags or? That's a good question. I think I I am someone who has a hard time separating the two. Yeah. Okay. So once yeah. you hear like now, you can't hear Michael Jackson music in the same festive way. Yeah, I can't like not remember that when I'm hearing his music. I mean, I, I, I'm not someone who's like, shut it off, shut it off. But um, yeah, I'm not like, oh, I can just put that to the side. So so you're not about cancel. Like, what is, I guess the bigger question is this cancel culture, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, how do you feel? Let's go back. Let's talk about like, I guess what, Louis C.K. Then there was yeah. Brian Callen. There's all this schmutz coming out. So how do you feel about I think all I I, I think I missed the Brian Callen one. I guess oh. there were so many that I missed. Yeah, yeah. Ones. No, this was pretty recent, but, you know, he, again, oh. women that were accusing him of, you know, uh, pretty dark, I guess. I don't know how, I don't uh. remember the details. And then other people were coming to his defense. Other people were like, cancel him. And, you know, whatever that cancel means. At some point, some people are going to be like, well, we like his comedy. We want to feel good. So we're not going to. Yeah, know. that's that, that's a that's a thing that feels to me like the true myth at the heart of cancel culture is like no one really actually gets canceled. It's like right. all the people who supposedly got me too'd are all still working. Yeah, exactly. Well, Louie, didn't he have a new special out after that whole debacle? Did he? I didn't know that. No, I no, think Louis, you're right though. Louis, I think he did. I think it even got right. reviewed. That's what I feel like. Am I wrong? I might be wrong. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. He releases everything on his website. That's anyway. true. Exactly. It's released through, you know, through Uber Eats. So now you got your book going and then you, are you working on another half hour, another hour? You're like, no, I'm doing the book. I'm doing my relationship. I'm doing my quarantine. I'm done. Like, you know, I have been doing the book mainly. And just because of quarantine, I haven't like been pounding the pavement as much with the stand up, just because yeah, like I've been doing shows here and there, but it doesn't, 
I, I don't feel like I've been writing material that I'm like, this is going to work great after we all go back to performing live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. was your regular club in the city when the clubs were open? I didn't really do the clubs as much. I feel like I did more just like the, I don't know what you would call it, the Brooklyn circuit. Of like, like Union Hall kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that's cool. I like, I love Union Hall. But also New York just has so many non-club rooms that really you, you can do fine without, without, like I would do the occasional space? club spot. Like what's the biggest uh, space that you perform mm, in? I once opened for John Oliver at like the University of Buffalo or something. Okay. It was like wild. It was, it <laughs> was like 5,000 people or something that oh. I was just like, this is, I cannot even fathom this amount of people. That's insane. Were you nervous or is it become surreal at that point? And there's the bright lights and you don't really, you don't really, you know, that's not palpable. I think I was nervous just because I was like, if it doesn't go well, what is it going to sound like? Like, right. just like. <laughs> <laughs> I've always felt more comfortable performing in front of a huge crowd than performing in front of a small. Yeah, no, I actually like it when you can't see individual Yeah, exactly. Faces. Like there's something about the mass, you know, when you're performing like yeah. a small club, you know, or, or back room of a restaurant, and you have the five people, then I feel like, you know, I, even in acting school and conservatory, I didn't like, I got so self-conscious performing in front I of know. my fellow students. It was never a safe space for me. And I left the conservatory because I booked a, a, a theater gig off Broadway mm -hmm. and I was liberated. I'm like, of course yeah. I'd rather perform, you know, when there's a million critics and a real audience than, than these 10 students, you know? So I, I don't know. know, but some people thrive on the safe space and the small but no, I feel, yeah, no, I feel like I am more like you are where it just like those gigs where, you know, those bar shows where it's only like three people or something, it's truly my worst. Nightmare. And then they're like this, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, it, I just feel so like, I'm sorry, I'm wasting your time. I'm so sorry. I know. Oh. Like this feels worse than a room full of people who are that, not that interested. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I am excited. I guess I have to wait two years for your book now, or unless, can you, can you send me it? Can I, I send so. an interim? Okay. Unless someone, you know, leaks it or something. Okay. Well, if you send me something, I'm happy to leak it and create a buzz. Okay. Like I'm happy okay, to buzz, buzz on it. Yeah. You know? It's so funny. I don't know what the plans are for your, your book, but my first book that came out, Door Core, yeah. a huge publicity machine behind it. The publisher was really behind it. And, you know, the mm -hmm. advance was amazing. And this was before again, this was 10 years ago. So it wasn't, social media was not as prevalent in terms of promoting right. something, at least not with me. Right. So it was like, maybe it's more than 10 years. When my second book came out, the publisher was like, yeah, just go make some YouTube videos with some of your celebrity friends to promote the book. And I'm like, what, what, I don't understand. You have a marketing department. You know what I mean? It was all like on me to, uh... really, to really promote the book. They really expect, you know, the, the author. So I don't know what it's gonna be like for you guys, but I know it's a great imprint and I'm sure you're going to have a great you know, I think you're right, though. I've heard that from other authors oh, where, they're, okay. where they're like, they made me do all this like press stuff to get to get it going. But I also I feel like that's unfair to just be like, go make some videos. Right? Yeah, I was like, wait, but what? I wrote the book. Now you know. do your job. <laughs> like, what's happening? But that's I'm like excited. when you agree to do a stand up spot and then they're like, can you promote this on social? And you're like, that's not part of the deal. Right. Yeah. I've been guilty when I used to do produce my show in New York. I'd be like, can you share? But then I stopped saying that. I'm like, if they want to share, they're going to share. If they don't want to share, they're not going to share. Yeah. And when people are doing a million shows, they're not going to share every I know. show they're doing. Um, 
but I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, this was great. Thanks, Iris. Thank you. Thank you. And um, I'll look out for it. And so obviously people can follow you. Where, where shall people follow you? Where's the best location? I mean, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I feel like those are the most up to date. I have a website, but you know, okay. it's fallen into disrepair. Okay. I'm so sorry to hear that. Okay. Um, all right. So find Aparna on Instagram and Twitter and look Twitter. out for the untitled imposter syndrome compendium mm-hmm. coming out. Um, for it, fourth edition. Fourth edition. And yeah, pick yeah. up a copy of Self-Esteem by Matthew McKay and Patrick Fanning, folks. Yeah. I'm not getting commissioned. It really is a helpful book. Um, and I, I, anytime you want to come back on, please, please do. Thanks, Iris. Yes, it's of so course. Chat. Yes. Have a lovely rest of your evening and say hi to your, your partner. And, uh, and um, yeah. I'll talk to you soon. Thank Bye-bye. you. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, everybody, uh, for joining. That was a really lovely chat with the very lovely Aparna Nacherla. And um, celebrate tonight, guys. Celebrate. Just celebrate in general. Even if you're unhappy, celebrate. Um, Celebrate life. I feel like I got fuzzier now that I'm alone. Is that weird? Or it just got darker out? I'm like, oh, the minute I don't have um, anyone validating me, I just become more obscure. It's profound stuff. Thank you all. Uh, Subscribe to the X-Ray Podcast, xraepod.com, X-R-A-E. So you can find it on iTunes or wherever you get your pottery. And we'll be here again. I know I've been more sporadic with these and I apologize. It's just been dealing with a lot, doing a lot of stuff, working, working hard, working hard, Uh, but not going to my, uh, not going to Hawaii, unfortunately, but maybe another time. Uh, I love you all. Thank you for your support. This is Iris Bar signing off. (music) 